0: Yippee ki yay! Greatest movie of all time today on the show. Die Hard. It's
1: the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Movie movie it's it's the, the greatest movie, movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest
0: movie. Come on and hear me now. Welcome to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, a show in which I, your co-host,
1: Cowboy Rick Barrasso. And I, your co-host, Hans Gruber Dekbowski.
0: Hans Grubowski? Hans Grubowski. We're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek?
1: I'm not bad. How about you? I'm doing
0: great because we're kicking off officially. I think I'm going to say it officially now, the Christmas season. Are you a big Christmas guy, Rick? I'm a huge Christmas guy. I'm the
1: opposite. I'm not a Christmas guy. See, I'm, I'm a big, I'm Halloween and Christmas. I'm everything all at once. See, I feel like I would be more Christmas if it was in like July. I hate the cold months. So I just, I'm a miserable person. So that's why I think battling Christmas is much.
0: Oh well. I think, to me, it's the opposite. Christmas keeps the early winter, like, keeps me sane during it. And then once, you know, January 2nd hit, it's, it's like, ugh, yeah. three more months of this. Right.
1: But, but keep in mind, guys, we, we're going to be bringing you some juicy movies throughout January oh, and February. It, it'll yes. it'll warm you up this this season. you goddamn
0: right. So, this week, we are working our way through the ductwork of Nakatomi Plaza. But let's take care of some business first. Last week, we talked about Return of the King, and of course, we had our token guest, our token token guest, Joe Boynton, back on the show. Always great to have him on. Check that one out or any of our library. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use, subscribe, review if you can. It's extremely helpful for the show, and if you enjoyed it, or if you have anything else, if you enjoyed it. Or if you have anything else you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook, at Great MovieCast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rec on Instagram. And you know you can always email us at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And as our old friend Bruce Wayne would say, the guy we came out to the coast with, had a few laughs, Bruce Wayne. Tell your friends about us. But of course now, you motherfucker, it's diehard. Oh, and by the way, do we have a? Uh, you said you mentioned YouTube. You're setting up. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I actually do have a YouTube channel for this podcast. Uh, so I'm just, you know, we're trying to figure out what I'm going to do here. I- I'd like for maybe once a week to just kind of do a review of the movie. I'm um, just coming up with some ideas right now, but it right now it is created. There's been no videos yet, but I would like to start it. How soon. can they? How can they find it? What's
0: the? Uh, what's the name?
1: I think it's just the greatest movie of all time podcast on YouTube. Perfect. And if that's wrong, I will correct this next time.
0: All right. So Die Hard. It's a 1988 action movie directed by John McTiernan. It stars Bruce Willis as John McClane. Bonnie Bedelia as Holly Gennaro McClane. Alan Rickman as Hans Gruba, And, of course, Reginald Veljohnson as Al Powell. It made 100, just about, because there's re-release and stuff like that. But it made about $140 million on a $30 million budget. It has an 8.2 on IMDb, a 96% in Rotten Tomatoes, and a 72% on Metacritic. Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian says, it's a glorious scene stealer for Alan Rickman, though it's a credit to Willis's cheeky charisma that the scene is not in fact stolen. Andrew Collins from Empire says, the very pinnacle of 80s action movie, and if it's not the greatest movie, excuse me, if it's not the greatest action movie ever made, then it's damn close. Ebert, didn't like it. Says it is, quote, inappropriate and wrongheaded interruptions reveal the fragile nature of the plot and prevent it from working. He seemed to not like any time we went to like the cops, the news or anything like
1: that. Um, you know, what's there. funny. What's well, up? Okay, no, let's go we'll, we'll continue. Okay, I'm just saying, I feel like... I, I... Regardless of how I feel about this movie, I just don't, I just, I feel like I, I don't agree with Ebert that often. Not just me. Okay.
0: I mean, that's, you gotta find your, uh, your reviewer. Who, you, who do you agree with? Who do you disagree with? Mm-hmm. And,
1: uh, you base your opinion off of that when you give a shot, but this was your first time seeing this movie. First time seeing it. I watched it for the first time yesterday from beginning to end.
0: All right. Well, I am very curious as to what you thought about it. But let's talk about what happens in the movie. Derek, you count
1: me down with a song this week. I shall. And I'm going with Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. All right. All right. Three, two, one, go.
0: John McClain, a cop from New York, and visits his estranged wife, Holly, in Los Angeles. While at her work Christmas party, Hans Gruber and a band of thieves posing as terrorists take over the building. John uses instincts as a cop to start picking them off one by one while signaling to the outside for help. Specifically disgraced LAPD Sergeant Al Powell who assists him in, over walkie-talkie throughout the movie. In the end, John is able to outwit Gruber and his team, saving his marriage, but essentially destroying the skyscraper in the process. Just in time to see his kids for Christmas.
1: we well, 25 seconds. All right. So that's what happens in the movie.
0: Let's, as we do each week, talk about what we liked about it. Derek,
1: what is your number three favorite scene? Uh, So my number three, uh, I made quite a list of scenes that I did enjoy in this movie. And my third favorite has to go with the fight that McClane has with one of the uh, terrorists. And he ends up like hanging him with a chain. And it was like, just a really cool fight sequence. I think actually, most of the fight sequences in this movie are like legitimate. They're badass. Uh, they leave nothing to the imagination. It is gritty and when he's fighting this guy and this is the guy where his like, brother dies earlier in the movie yeah. but, and they're fighting on the stairs and i thought he was going to like fall to the bottom of the stairs and break his neck like he did with his brother but he like wraps a chain around his neck and kicks him across and he like fall it's just wow like what a crazy scene that was and then of course later on he's still alive and he comes out at the end and it's just so so cool um i i i sometimes i really like when there's like a henchman that survives past the main villain yeah I think it's really clever and fun and interesting, um, but I thought this was really I, – I was sitting here watching it, and I was eating, and I was like just enjoying myself watching this movie, and then that happened, and I, was, I had my mouth full of food, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let me ask you this. Um, do you now – because whenever Bruce Willis has come up in the podcast in the past, you had a very negative reaction to him.
1: Do you, after watching this movie, do you understand more of his appeal? I, I do. I understand his appeal, especially in this movie. I just think that his range is, he doesn't really have a big range. And that's okay. That's that's not a big deal. But I think in this movie is where he shines in. Like, he's he's meant for this type of role.
0: Here's what's frustrating about Bruce Willis. He does have the range. He's just incredibly lazy.
1: I mean, I, I think I told you before, I heard, like, multiple reviews where, like, he was in the uh, the play – misery recently a couple of years ago and it was people were saying his his performance was abysmal like he didn't try he didn't give a shit yeah and they were like why don't I spend money on this like he just so I get that he seems like he would be kind of a lazy actor that's
0: that's the knock on him because when he wants to try when he's in a movie with his friends you know like a friend is directing he really tries like he's in a bunch of Wes Anderson movies which is excellent in he's very good when he works with M. Night Shyamalan but if he has like 1%, even like the recent Die Hard movies, he's just like, fuck it. I don't care. And that's that's the thing with him. But he is a good actor. He just, as you can see from this movie, but he just doesn't try. It's upsetting. Uh, but my number three scene is the scene where Hans poses as a Nakatomi employee and McClane, like realizes who it is and outsmarts him. Because, and one of my favorite things about this movie is that You have a villain and a hero who at no point are either of them like incompetent and like, there's no cheap like bullshit that causes one to get one up on the other one. Like everything is earned. Like you totally buy that Hans and John McClane are outsmarting each other consistently throughout the movie.
1: Right. And I love that. I love when Hans like takes a beat. And he's like, Oh no, don't kill me. Like he realizes like, okay, I have a chance to outwit him here and you could see him take that beat. And then his brain kind of clicks and he's like, yeah. okay, I'm going to go do this now. And it was like really, really interesting. Absolutely. So what is your number two favorite scene? My number two favorite scene was when Powell tells McLean about when he killed a kid by accident. And I, you know, when I went into this movie, I really thought it was going to be like a straight up action. Like, no, no nonsense sort of action movie, straight, straight laced. But it really wasn't. There were moments that were very clever, and there were moments that kind of like brought you down into like a deep, you know, feeling. Right. And, and that was one of them. Was like, whoa, I didn't expect them to go here. And I loved their relationship. They haven't even met. And they're just on the phone, and they're like, they're buddies, you know. And they both needed that. And Powell, you know, kind of taking his, you know, putting his guard down and saying, I killed a kid, you know, and, and it was a mistake. And one of my favorite lines in the entire movie is when he says they can teach you everything except living with a mistake yeah. um and in the in the police you know academy and things like that and uh it's just a really redeeming and great scene and it it just kind of like things aren't you know and, and again I, i'm not going to lie I went into this movie thinking like am i going to like this i'm not yeah. the biggest bruce willis fan i'll be honest with you if it's just a straight up action movie i don't even li- i don't even watch them anymore True. i'm more i as i've gotten older i've gotten more into dramas but the um, scene like this was like, whoa, out of all the action and violence I've seen, this was like a scene that really needed to be there. And I'm glad that it was. So that yes. was my number two. I, and I think that story
0: is a, it's a big reason why. So when this movie came out, you tend to find the negative reviews are f- contemporary to when the movie was released. Whereas upon reflection, I think, because especially in like 88, you're on the tail end of these like Stallone Schwarzenegger, like action movies where it's just like crazy violence and they're like killing a bunch of people. And that's, you know, a lot of those movies are very fun. You know, John McTiernan in the year before had just directed predator, which is I think the best of those types of movies, but um, that's what it is. You know, it's a, it's a machismo fest. Whereas this one, I think because it has more to it, People have now looked back on it and go, oh, this is one of that genre, of the action genre at that time. This is worthy of being put on a pedestal. Plus, it yeah. has Alan Rickman as the so. Right, exactly. Uh, so my number two scene, I believe that's where I am. my number two scene is actually the introduction of Al, where he's just, and you know, Reginald Johnson you grew up with him, or we did at least Carl Winslow. Yep. <laughs> and it's just like, Yeah, you know I'm just my, you know my wife's at home pregnant, and it's just like yeah, of course. Like he's a he's you know his family matters to him, and (laughs) and, days go
1: by. (laughs) It's the bigger love in the family.
0: Great, great theme theme song is great theme song. (laughs) So you instantly like him, and then you get the the comedy beat. Of John just being like, "What the fuck you doing?" Looking out the window, like, "What the fuck? What the fuck?" And then he just throws a goddamn body onto, his, yeah, onto his car, and right. he like backs up and like backs his car. And he's like, "What the fuck?" Just always like always makes. me I found myself laughing out loud at like this movie I've seen probably ten times. Right? Do, do you and, find and that Powell hits for
1: me? Yeah. Do you find that Powell is kind of a bumbling character at first? I think they set him up as that. Yeah, he definitely changes. I mean, he definitely yeah. doesn't appear to be, but at first he kind of like seems that way. Like he's going to be this bumbling character, but then they like, no, no, no. He's he's a legitimate cop. Like he's you know he knows yeah. what he's doing.
0: Yeah, because I mean, literally they open him up and he's like getting snacks, and he's like, no, this is like not what you think it is.
1: <laughs> the guy's like, like, sure, fat guy getting treats.
0: Yeah, and he's he's just like, no, no, my wife's pregnant. I'm doing you know it, but I yeah, I love Powell's character because also, there's yeah. There's there's so much more, and like you have that tether where you know uh, where John McClane is somebody to talk to throughout the movie because he can't really talk to any of the other characters. Right, Powell's poor wife too; she never gets those treats. I mean, he might have sent somebody back. We don't know. Yeah, maybe. Poor Harriet; she never got the treats. <laughs> they, after after this uh, incident, I'm sure he and his family had to go under witness protection to Chicago, and. Then... <laughs> <laughs> They were put next to just the worst neighbor, right? So she must have been pregnant with, uh, you know, Laura.
1: <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> who was the other? What was the other guy's name? Uh, Eddie. Eddie, yeah, Eddie definitely was the Eddie. This one. Do you remember that that episode? There's like the middle
0: daughter that disappeared. I think her name was Judy.
1: I mean, you know, you you remember a lot more than I do, but I remember that one episode where like Eddie was like, I think he was arrested by like a white cop. Yeah. That whole thing, like, I remember that was a wicked series for its time. Like, whoa, like they, they're touching on this subject. Um, good show, though. Good show. Yeah. Fun,
0: super fun show. Yeah. Love Family Matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is your number one favorite
1: my, scene? My number one was actually your number three. It was when McLean and Hans sure. uh, go face to face. And I, when I was reading the trivia, I remember reading that McTiernan was was basically like, there needs to be a point where these two guys meet because, and that made me care so much more about this movie because it was like, listen, he doesn't want to make a straight-up action movie. He wants it to matter. And I think this is like the preamble of like Heat. For instance, Heat was like you need Pacino and De Niro to meet sure. because it makes things so much more interesting when they know each other at this point. They they sat down and they meet up, and and I just love every bit of it. I love the acting between both. I love how you know mclean off the bat obviously doesn't trust him because he hands him a gun with no bullets in it um alan rickman's acting is phenomenal um and that leads that leads right into one of the best action sequences i think in the entire movie and that is when um you know he blows the glass out the glass out and he has to to walk with bare feet it's like really really clever stuff and it's smart it's it is smart it was so smart of, of hans gruber to do that and again, this movie kept surprising me at every corner. Every time I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be just like straight, you know, action movie with cool sequences and dry characters. It wasn't that the whole time. Yeah, And that's what blew me away because I kind of went into this movie being like, Am I gonna, you know, and I'm actually to the point where my wife, obviously, she wasn't able to watch it with me because she was she was working. And uh, I actually can't wait to show her this movie, maybe this weekend, because yeah. I think that she'd like it, too, because it's a lot of fun. It's it's so much fun. It's a lot of fun. And and not to mention all the straight up like 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 the, the moment I, I literally texted Gier, I was like, Hans Gruber is a bad motherfucker. Like yeah. like the scene where he's with like the boss and he's like, You're gonna have to kill me. And he's like, Okay, and just shoots him in the head. I was like, This movie is not fucking around. And I loved I also loved that like while he pulls his gun out, you could totally tell the boss was like fake, the body was fake. Um, I noticed it right away, and I'm like, "It's it's okay. It's the '80s. I get they have yeah, to figure yeah. it out." But I I still loved it. I thought it was like cheesy, but like and the, the the blood squirting everywhere, I was like, "Whoa!" Like this is much more than I thought it was. So, but anyways, that that's my number one scene.
0: Yeah, I uh, I kind of cheated for my number one favorite scene, but as always, when I have a tie, they're thematically related, and it's the best thing about this movie to me is all the scenes where John McClane is like a little stinker, where he's like. He kills the first henchman and he's like, let me put a Santa hat on him and give him a note that says, ho, ho, ho. That'll be hilarious. And then like, yep, where he's kind of talking to himself. And it's like, hey, come up to the coast. We'll have a few laughs. And like, of course, the whole like yippee-ki-yay motherfucker scene, which is when I first saw this movie, I had known that quote before the movie. You know, sometimes you have movies where like you hear it's like, guy Oh, yippee-ki-yay motherfucker. It's like, okay. But like how it's delivered is not what I expected at all. Cause it's kind of like a joke, and I thought it was deadly serious the first time I watched it. I was like, "Oh no, he's like cracking wise to his fucking," you know. And right after he's like, "Oh yeah," or right before that, he's like, "Yeah, I'm just applying the ointment, uh, yeah, this and that."
1: It's every time he's just like a dick to Hans Gruber. It's tremendous. Honestly, like there are so many good quotes in this movie, and one of them being when, when Hans actually has to read that off the guy's sweater, and he's yeah. like, "He's like, I have a machine gun now." How? Ho, ho ho! I like belly ho, laughed, ho. belly laughed. It was like amazing.
0: Yeah, the, they the fact that they got Helen Rickman to play Hans Gruber is like fucking miraculous. And I, he I wasn't he, he,
1: he wasn't even household name. He like just got off of Broadway yeah. and like that, this was like his breakout role.
0: Yeah. And he's like sometimes in these action movies, I think the the action star wants to have all like the shine. So the villain ends up being, like, very, like, sniveling and, like, you know, weak compared to the hero, Mm -hmm. which is counterintuitive because you want to have for an effective movie, you want to beat the threatening guy. But this one is, like, Hans Gruber is a match for John McClane. Like, his plan would have worked and, like, still, like, still might have worked if John McClane wasn't fucking John McClane. Right, so let's talk about our least favorite parts of this movie.
1: So Derek, what did you have? So I have one thing and it's not huge, which, sure. me, which, which means I didn't find a lot wrong with this movie. Yes. Uh, which again, very surprising for me, but I, I couldn't find a lot. And that was, and again, this could, you could probably explain this to me maybe better, but for me, when the limo driver Argyle, he slams his limo into Theo's van I feel like Argyle didn't, like, he doesn't really know what's going on. So I feel like him doing that was like, I don't know. Like, he, he has no idea what's going on. That, that guy he just hit could have been somebody who, like, is a good guy. He doesn't know. So for me, I was like, I don't know if that works. <laughs> but again, yeah. very, very small thing.
0: Yeah, I think there's, like, to me, I think the subplot, I kind of agree with Ebert to an extent, is, like, the subplot with the news is like a little bit. It's like gilding little gilding the lily a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like there's so much happening, and it's like you don't need our our guy from Ghostbusters who played the fucking EPA agent as like a shitty newsman. It's it's kind of like it's. I I, I agree that it's like all right. Although like the scenes are good, it's like oh that could have just ended up on the cutting floor. Like it didn't. It did, the movie didn't need that. Right. Right. I feel like. But yeah, again, not a lot to dislike about this movie. This, this is a classic for a reason. This is, you know, people watch this and we'll talk, you know, go over the question like, is this a Christmas movie at the end of the, you know, at the end of the episode? But like, there's a reason people keep going back to it year after year, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a result, you know, the reason for that, I think, is the people we're going to talk about in our medals. So who is your
1: bronze medal winner? My bronze goes to Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, I think he's a serviceable and very good action hero. And I think he does have a lot of charm, especially in this film. And, uh, you know, there, there are points where I found myself rooting for him. And I did. Sometimes I'm that guy who's like rooting for the villain because I like hate the hero so much. Or I'm like, the hero says something dumb, and I'm like, ah, oh, you didn't have to say that. Now, now I'm rooting against you. You know, kind of in a joking way. But I was rooting for him to like win because I was like, these terrorists are assholes, and all this stuff. And he's just like, you know, he's just the elevator shaft stuff. Like he's going through so much. Yeah. And one thing I really love about this character, John McClane, is like. He's he's obviously like an amazing like, action hero and a cop and everything, but like he gets his ass kicked throughout this movie. It's not like he like is always above. He's not. He's always crawling and bloody and like ow and oh. And I, yeah. I, I like that. It made it real. He yeah, gets he's shot. Not invincible. Yeah. He gets shot. And I loved when he got shot because I'm like they. You know, it's almost like uh, James Bond. Like Bond never gets shot. He never. Right. You know, but McClane gets shot and he's got to deal with his wounds and he's just a badass through and through. And he's just get you know, and he's walking through glass and everything. And I think that uh, Bruce Willis did bring charm to this role. So he gets my bronze. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's
0: interesting, too, like, the closest thing. We, we don't have actually a ton of movies like this anymore. Sort of mid-budget action movies with, like, a charismatic lead, which made recasting very difficult for me. What works about it is that he is, he's fallible, you know? And he 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 didn't have the ego yet, right. and we'll talk about that more. So my number or my, my bronze is actually it's a character we've not talked about, and that is Hart Bachner as Ellis, <laughs> who is the perfect, the ultimate '80s piece of shit cokehead scumbag.
1: Yeah, he's a pretty he's a pretty big shithead. He's
0: like um, like within the first two minutes, he's like. Hey, John, you know, Holly Holly McLean, Gennaro, I guess. Like, hey, do you want to go do some coke with me? And like within two minutes of him being interrupted. And then, like, of course, the scene where he dies when he's like, Hans, Booby, I'm your white knight. Booby. Yes. And it's just like he's I keep forgetting he's not in that much of the movie, but he like steals every scene he's in because right. he's just like, let me turn that shit
1: up. Yeah. To 20. Right. And, and 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 obviously i, I think he's a he did a great job too but just talking about uh you had mentioned the scene where he's like asking her if he wants coke. she's a knockout yeah like i was watching it and i was like mm, all right like I, I was i was into that yeah that's all i have to I say mean, about that, that 80s
0: hairstyle man that's <laughs> it, it for some people that's like, everything in this movie is so 80s in the best way right you know like because i know you've talked about this and on the greatest album of all time podcast she plugged how like 80 stuff
1: generally doesn't connect with you well i think 80s music but 80s I, I i i personally do love a lot of 80s movies so but yeah this this movie you have like
0: just 80s style what it should be i feel like it's not like a cartoon but it's like okay people looked that style right
1: right <laughs> uh so let's go to silver do you have i have director john McTiernan i think like i said before he made a lot of great choices i loved when he you know thought i gotta bring hans and, and mclean together so that way they're not just meeting at the very end and he kills him and that's the end um he just he thought about this movie he, he it's like he thought about i don't want to make a straight laced action movie i want there to be elements of, of all kinds of things this to me was like dog day afternoon ramped up to 10 action wise you know it was like I love movies like this where there's hostages and what's going to happen and how is he going to get through this? And he does a really good job with intensity. And I actually like some of the music throughout the movie too. Um, I thought that was a good thing. Um, But in general, I just was surprised by this. And I think that this director cares, you know, he really does care. And, and, you know, there's even characters in there that he brings in that I love. Like I love Theo, great character. Like, like he's very, uh, He's just very interesting. And I'm glad that, you know, and this is going to take my miscellaneous a little bit. But, you know, John McTiernan made a good choice when, you know, he said that Bruce Willis was also shooting a movie called Moonlighting at the same time. And he's TV like, show, yeah. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, I'm sorry. And he, he was like, this is why I have to beef up some of the side characters. Because I yeah. don't have I don't have Willis for for the whole time. So and I'm like I love that he built up the side characters. It's not just about John McClane. It's all the side characters are pretty interesting. And then there's that that douchebag who's from Ghostbusters. So I can't remember his name. Like he plays a douchebag in everything I've seen him in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he gets my silver. I think he did a great job.
0: So my silver is uh, Alan Rickman, and maybe the best action movie villain. Really, like he's up there. He's, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, who's, I mean, if you count, like, Apollo Creed, or, like, if as an, if I don't think the first Rocky is an action movie, but it isn't, but, like, The Predator. Right. It, it's just, there's not a lot of competition, I think. He's in, like, the very upper echelon uh, of, of action movie villains. And, like, the back and forths that he and John McClane have are just tremendous every yeah. time. Like I, I get so happy whenever they're like just shit talking each other. Yeah. Oh, like, totally. Oh. Absolutely. And he's like, "How the fuck?" Like he's like, "My plan was perfect." Like, how the fuck is this guy doing it? Like, uh, right. Deal with this bullshit. He's, he's just phenomenal. I mean, Rickman. Obviously, we're a very pro Rickman podcast. We had uh, Harry Potter a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, Alan Rickman,
1: silver medal. Yeah, very, very, very pro Rickman, and we can we can keep going because he's my gold. And, uh, I was, I knew he was going to give a great performance, but I didn't know how good it was going to be. And it, it, it blew my expectations. And it's because, and I think it's because of how the character was written too, of like, he's a scumbag. He, he just kills people willy nilly. Like he's not even thinking about stuff. He's very intelligent. Um, and Alan Rickman, you know, we've talked about this in the Harry Potter movie too, is that like, when we try to recast Snape, it's like, there's nobody like him. He is such an, a, a very, like, he's just a different, he's cut from a different breed. Yeah. And, uh, I love him. I just, I think he's phenomenal. And, uh, he's my gold. There's not really much more to say. And I love him.
0: So my gold, uh, goes to Bruce Willis and it's because primarily, I think Rickman gives a better performance than him, but for what it does for Bruce Willis's career, he benefits the most from this movie. Mm -hmm. He uses the capital that he gets from this to become one of the biggest stars of the nineties, you know, uh, it, like he said he's he's filming moonlighting. The, he had had a couple of movies before this that did not do well. So this was like his last chance basically. If this had flopped, he was just going to be a TV guy. Right. That's just what it was going to be. And now because of that, he gets this massive fucking career. Yep. So Bruce Willis I think uh you know, you can't go wrong with uh with any of the people that we had mentioned our mental's here, but Now we come to recasting where we try to replace those people.
1: Actually, before before you go to recasting real quick, I just want to mention a a few lines that I absolutely adore in this movie. There's so many great quotes there. Like one of them by Hans Gruber is Alexander wept when there were no more worlds to conquer. What a great line. Um, Really cool line by, by Hans Gruber. Um, When, when McLean calls to get some help, And they're like, I don't know if they don't believe him, but they're not taking him seriously for some reason. And he's like, no, I need you here. And then then he would say something like, no fucking shit, lady. Does it sound like I'm ordering a pizza? (laughs) (laughs) Like after that, he's like,
0: yeah, go ahead. Report me. Come down here and fucking arrest me.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Unbelievable. I just wanted to bring up those those quotes.
0: Yeah. Great, great. uh, Super quotable movie, as any great 80s action movie should be. So now let's go to recasting. So I have... Uh, John McClane, Hans Gruber, I've got Al, I've got Holly, and I've got Ellis.
1: Okay, I have just three. I did McClane, Powell, and Hans. All right.
0: so my Ellis, I was trying to think the equivalent today of like an 80s douchebag, and Hmm. I landed on a tech bro. This is fantasy casting, by the way, so I know this person would never do it, but Jesse Eisenberg has just like just full zuckerberg in that role
1: right i could see it yeah he kind of really he kind of really doesn't play an asshole i feel like he's always kind of a dick yeah
0: well that's what i'm saying like ellis sucks like you'd never want to spend a second with him but he doesn't he's not like a thief he's not a fucking murderer He just he's just a dick right you know so i think eisenberg could definitely do that and uh holly uh, I just had uh, I had an actress I just saw in uh, in Dune, and that is uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who has been in Mission Impossible movies and just a great actress all around. Just uh, definitely do it. Yeah. So let's go to Al
1: Powell. Who do you have? Uh, so I went a different direction. I actually swapped the Powell and McLean characters. As far as uh, I, I actually had my Powell is white. And I have my McLean as an African American. I have my McLean was tough. I have two
0: options, one of whom is black and one of whom is white. So we could in my and we'll get to my Allen in a second, but who's your Al Powell?
1: My Powell. And this is an interesting one. I think you might kind of be like, huh? But I wanted to find somebody who's a little bumbling who also, I don't know, I had to explain why I thought this character would fit so well, but I went with Josh Peck. Yeah. I like that. And I just figured he could be that guy who's kind of like shit on by the other cops and he's just a nobody. And, you know, he's, I could picture him in the beginning of the movie trying to get like stuff for his wife and like he's not taking seriously at all. And then he, like, you know, he's able to tell a story to McLean and it would really bring about things that are happening nowadays. Like, for instance, he says he killed a kid and that kid is African American. Yeah. And he is being shunned by people, but he's like, it was a legitimate accident. I could not see in the dark. And yeah. it could bring something really interesting to that. So that's kind of why I went, went in that direction.
0: So I'm one of the guy who we know can do bumbling comedy and do drama. And that is Michael Pena as my Al owl. Okay. I could see it. Yeah. Cause you get the beginning, that sort of Ant-Man energy where it's like, Oh, okay. You know, I'm just getting my, you know, my kid like over explaining himself and right. then he can come and he can do the drama. Definitely. Yep. So let's go to Hans Gruber. Okay. Who do you have?
1: My Hans Gruber goes to Daniel Brühl.
0: Ooh, I like that.
1: Yeah, not because he's German, <laughs> but sure. but because I think he plays a really good villain, and I just I, I like the fact that he's a little shorter. I mm-hmm. I, always, I I like that about him. I think that like he's he could be a very ferocious villain. He could do the same thing that Alan Rickman did. Um, I just picture him being kind of like that. Uh, I, well, when I when we talk about my McLean, I just liked I like the uh, these two characters together, kind of battling off. But uh, yeah. what can I say? Damon Brühl is a really excellent a- actor. I think we both agree he's a good villain. So I'm yes. all with him.
0: Absolutely. So this one, it was tough. I had like three options that I was like, I could see this person, that person. I thought initially Christian Bale could do it. And I was like, eh, not quite right. The Benedict Cumberbatch written down. But I landed on David Tennant.
1: Ooh, I love David Tennant.
0: David Tennant, excellent actor. Doctor Who for quite a while. Uh, the purple man uh, or, um, you know, in, in Jessica Jones. Uh, But yeah, excellent actor and can definitely bring that kind of like Euro trash energy, Mm -hmm. but also super competent. So David Tennant for, for Hans Gruber. I like it. So let's go to John McClane. I had a hard time recasting John McClane because I feel like they're just not actors like this anymore.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, you got to pick the right person. They need to have some sort of charm to them. And yeah. this has got to work. But and then I went with uh, the uh, very talented actor, Michael B. Jordan.
0: Yeah, he was, he was the person, that he's the black man that I consider as well. And he, he can do it, but it would be very different. The, the only other person that I had considered uh, was Chris Pine. But I, I feel like both Chris Pine and Michael B. Jordan are like too good looking for the part. Mm-hmm. You know, like right. they're too much of a leading man. Like again, it's like this was a very tough role to recast. So like I'm sure both of them would do excellent jobs. You know, in in this movie, you know, in this role, but it was just it was
1: just tough for me. Right, for sure. Yeah, it is. It is a tough one for sure.
0: Let's go to miscellaneous. They initially went to Schwarzenegger. They went to Stallone for this. They both turned it down. Could either of them have done this? Uh
1: yeah. Schwarzenegger, I just find him, I mean, you know, you know how I feel about Bruce Willis, but I find all Schwarzenegger sometimes to be kind of unbearable as far as like his range of acting. Like I, last night, I wasn't feeling well and I didn't know what to watch. I wanted something just to, you know, to, to distract me. So we put on Jingle all the way. Yeah. <laughs> and like, he's such a bad actor. <laughs> like he really is.
0: Well, that's that's the charm of it. I feel like he's got one speed and he's so good at it. Yeah. You know, like. He's he's not going to be in yeah he's not going to get like an Oscar worthy performance but you know he's perfect as the Terminator he's you know he's he's perfect in Predator you know it's just like the fucking unkillable monster basically you know he he's and I think it I think some of his comedies do work Jingle All-Wade doesn't I, I I feel like and I know I'm going to get some comments on that but like Kindergarten Cop's great yeah like that's that's very fun like Fish Out of Water perfect but he would not have been good in this i feel like this right this calls for something else than what he does it'd be a totally different movie you know he'd be fucking like running in and like blowing people away as opposed to like mclean most of the time is like stick and move right
1: uh stallone maybe yeah but it's possible i still feel like the two of them are too like are they typecast? Are they something? Because Stallone's a good actor, like, in the Rocky movies. Yeah. Other than that, I don't think he's ever put up a really good performance. His, his performance in the first Rambo movie,
0: every... In the fourth Rambo movie's pretty good. But, like, that and Rocky, like, that's his... You know, that's that's his bread and butter. And he's like, he's good in those. But, yeah, other than that, he's not a great actor at all. You know, in Creed, of course, when you... Uh, played out that way. But... Yeah, I I think Bruce Willis was the right guy at the right time. And, you know, it made his career and it made the movie. So it was perfect marriage. So here's the question we're asking this week and we're asking next week. Deep down, when you really observe this movie, when you really take a look at it, is it a Christmas movie or is it just an action movie?
1: it's one of those things where it gets funny. The first thing when GA came home, she goes, Oh, you watched I Hard? Did you like it? I said, I did like it. And she goes, well, is it a Christmas movie? Like that's the big question. Right. And I said, honestly, I don't know. Like, I guess, you know, <sighs> so here's, here's what, here's what I'll say. I think
0: Christmas in this movie is basically just the excuse to get everyone together. It could have been a new year's party. It could have been a fourth of July party. And it kind of would have like the main story wouldn't change at all, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. It could have taken place during the summer. Sure. But I think the one thing in, cause I was going into this movie being like, it's not a Christmas movie. That, that was my take going in, but I was like, does him trying to get home to his kids for Christmas, make it a Christmas movie? Is that the thing? Cause that does hit different than daddy. You're going to make the 4th of July cookout,
1: you know? Right. <laughs> Fourth of so, July, cookout.
0: yeah. You gonna make it home and spend Fourth of July with us? All right. You Gonna make it home to see the ball drop. <laughs> different, different. So, I'm gonna say that
1: it is barely a Christmas movie. Yeah, I'm but, actually, I'm actually surprised. I thought you were gonna be pro Christmas movie here. I so I think yeah. I, I mean. There's no holiday
0: spirit in this movie. There there isn't like the very beginning. And that's what I'm saying. It's like very like it's like 51 percent a Christmas movie and 49 percent not a Christmas movie. Right. That's that's just what I am. I'm feeling right now. Right. But, you know, if I watch it again, maybe I'll feel differently. If you feel differently, let us know. Message us. Post. Tell us what you think.
1: Let me ask you a question, Rick. I've actually never asked you this before. Have you ever done a movie in this episode, uh, an episode here where you've actually not watched the movie because you've already seen it too many times? Our unaired pilot I did. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. I think I did. Yeah. I think I did that too. Yeah. Um, Nothing. Yeah. Nothing that has made it to air. Okay. Yeah. The only, and it's funny you said the only time I've ever done that is when we did actually, we actually did fellowship like legitimately. Yeah, I was like, I don't need to watch this again. Like, I've seen it so I can recite. Just
0: it. watched it, yeah, yeah. And but... I had seen so Rocky Horror. I had seen like unrelated, like a month before. Yep. So I was just like, oh, so it's fresh enough in my memory that I don't have to watch it the day before. Right, right, right. Gotcha. But like, I had seen it rec- very recently. Right, 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 right. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. But like, like the, the pilot, I was like, this is just to like get the flow of what the show is gonna be. So like. Whatever, but any anything that um, anything that has has made anything that you our beloved listeners have heard, I have watched extremely recently for the show. Yep, yep, same except for that one. <laughs> so let's uh, so let's go to the Oscars from this year, and this is a ceremony that we talked about pretty recently in our "Who Framed Roger Rabbit" episode. So let's. Pull up the list of winners.
1: Yeah, I don't, I didn't even, I, I usually don't look on the, at this specifically because I'm like, I just want you to tell me and I'd be surprised unless I yeah. know. Sometimes I just know, like, you know, but I no idea if sure. Rift Die Hard was even considered. Probably not, but.
0: No, it was not. I don't believe it got any nominations. Let me just double check. It got one nomination for best sound effects editing. Okay. So it did get oh and also another one for best editing
1: so okay yeah i mean yeah um, a oh, movie like best um, visual
0: effects so three nominations for. yeah Dying and, Art, so and, a, and a
1: movie like this really needs to have good editing yes <laughs> um and it's certainly- all
0: three of those to who framed roger rabbit so <laughs> let, so let's talk about uh best picture here so uh it was won by rain man other nominees are the Accidental Tourist, which we actually kicked out for Who Framed Roger, Roger Rabbit, uh, Dangerous Liaisons, Mississippi Burning, and Working Girl. Gotcha. How are we feeling about Die Hard as a Best Picture nominee? I
1: just, I, you know, it's it's tough. It's it, it goes with that whole thing of the like comedy and, and horror. It's like, are we going to put an action movie in there? I'm not really sure how that works. I'm. I, I don't think it needs to be there either. I mean, it's not, that's not what I think trying to do. But would you put this in over Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Um, well, I think Roger Rabbit, not, and again, I wasn't a huge fan, but I, what it was trying to do was different. Yeah. So I think that's why, like, I'd probably say Roger Rabbit maybe a little bit more, just because like it's trying to do something different. And Die Hard, w- while it's still a really cool action movie, it, it's a little bit different from being an action movie. It's like it does more too. But um, yeah, I guess Roger Rabbit probably would would, would okay. be the one.
0: Okay. So we'll keep that as is. Uh, Best directors one for uh, by Barry Levinson and Rain Man. The nominees Charles Crichton and A Fish Called Wanda, Scorsese and Last Temptation of Christ, which how was that not nominated for Best Picture? Mm. Uh, Alan Park for Mississippi Burning and Mike Nichols and Working Girl. This movie's very well directed. But those are some uh, some legends in there.
1: Yep, certainly.
0: So I'm okay if we don't put them in there. If you want to make a stand for McTiernan, I'll be um more than happy to put him in.
1: Ah, I don't think it needs to be. He needs to be there. Okay.
0: So, best actor It's won by Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man. Other nominees are Gene Hackman in Mississippi Burning, Tom Hanks in Big, Edward James Olmos in Stand and Deliver, and Max von Sydow in Pelly the Conqueror.
1: Tom Hanks, man, he gets fucking nominated a lot.
0: But this is like his first nomination, I think. Like, this is before he, this is for Big. You know, this is one of his comedies. I'm, I'm shocked to see him there. Right not i mean not that that's not a great performance but just unusual to see like the lead of a comedy yeah you know, body swap comedy and and get best actor yeah uh, yeah i mean bruce willis is very good in this let's put him in our pocket yeah because we can go back i think and you know and for best picture as well like you know if we ever get this year in our oscar year your oscar month i should say mm-hmm. we can uh we can always go back and put it in.
1: show for show let's, uh,
0: Let's talk about that supporting actor. It's won by Kevin Klein for A Fish
1: Called Wanda. Yep. Okay. I, I, I was thinking about that. Okay. Yep. Alec Guinness,
0: Obi Wan himself, the original, uh, in Little Dorrit. Martin Landau for Tucker, the man in his dream. River Phoenix in Running on Empty. Hmm. And Dean Stockwell in Married to the Mob. Hmm. Rest in peace, Dean Stockwell, by the way. So, Rickman. I got to go with Rickman here. Who are we taking out? <sighs> Dean Stockwell. Rest in peace, St- Dean Stockwell, but, and it is a good performance, Married to the Mob, but I agree. I think Helen Rickman in this is incredible. Yep. So here's a question, Derek. You said you were eating with uh, while well, you were watching this movie. Yes. What were you eating, and is that what you would have next time?
1: Yes, I would. And it was a steak and cheese sub from J&M. Okay. And uh, I'm not going to say what, what town that's in, because we're not going to reveal you that. But if you know, <laughs> you know. And uh, they've gone through many changes, and they're very good again. And, I'm, I'm uh, glad to hear it. I got a bad stomach ache from it, but I still enjoyed Ooh.
0: it. Ooh. Yeah. I'm, uh, it's a pretty good... A pretty, I mean, this is like an action movie. This is a popcorn movie. Any, I feel like any movie snacks... Would, would work for me you know just like popcorn m&ms candy in general yep it's it's a it's it's one of the great popcorn movies
1: yeah i think so too i would i think popcorn's a great choice for this just uh and and this is one of those things where i can't use this word this this word enough but it's such a fun movie halfway yes. through and again when i first put it on i was like two hours and 12 minutes are you serious it flies by flies right the fuck by all right. I mean, for me, it didn't because I had to pause a few times. So it ended, yeah. up, ended up feeling longer, but that wasn't a bad thing. I, I enjoyed the whole movie thoroughly. So, um, yeah, I had a really good time so, watching it.
0: So now we come, Derek, to the most important part of the show. And that is when you throw 30 seconds on the clock. And you tell us why Die Hard is the greatest movie of all time. Are you ready? Yes. Three Two, one,
1: go. Die Hard by director John McTiernan, 1988. I think this movie is very... Well, for me, it was very underrated because I know that a lot of people love it. But for me, it's still not a movie I hear enough of from people. And I was, I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. And again, like Rick said, it's definitely one of the best popcorn movies you can come across. Um, the action's phenomenal. The directing's phenomenal. The acting is great. Um, it just keeps you moving throughout the entire story. And I recommend it to anybody who likes action movies.
0: That is time. Well done, Derek. Yeah, just, I'm, I'm glad you like this one and i'm i'm glad that uh, it has become you know even if it's i think only just a christmas movie i'm glad it's become kind of a christmas tradition for a yeah. lot of people it's it's fun it's a little bit different than your your regular christmas movies and it's you know it, it it almost is like in in some ways it's kind of the halloween of a genre you know yeah it's like it picks a holiday and now it's, you know, because Halloween, that could just happen any day. You know, it just right. they just happened to pick Halloween just for the gimmick of calling it Halloween. Yeah. But that's definitely a Halloween movie. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a Christmas movie. And, okay. And uh, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm convincing myself more, which I'm surprised. I thought I was going in with them. So, the other Die Hard movies, are, are they worth seeing? The third one is very good. Uh, the second one is okay. The rest of them, no. Okay. The third one has uh samuel l jackson as sort of the sidekick character oh good <laughs> and has um our man scar jeremy uh jeremy irons is the villain of part three okay so he like he he lives up to the uh to the performance of uh, of alan rickman what the hell was that that was my cat scratching the door oh All right. So that has been our episode on Die Hard. Let's go over what we get coming up next week. Katie Swinbeck returns to the show to talk about one of her favorite movies. We're going to discuss whether or not it is a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie. And that is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Then, again, we go to something. We have Gia back on the show. Derek's wife, Gia, back again to talk about a movie that is definitely a Christmas movie. And that is... National Lampoon's Christmas vacation. And then we're going to wrap up 2021, which was better than 2020, but not by as much as I wanted it to be with the guy we just talked about, Tom Hanks and Forrest Gump, as mm-hmm. well as Robert
1: Zemeckis, our
0: reigning champion.
1: Big December. Big December.
0: Huge December. Long December. And I have reason to believe maybe
1: next year, this year, will be better than the last so I want to know, and this is a question that I've asked them to several people, because I feel like Thanksgiving yeah. and Christmas, they have similar foods. Sure. Thanksgiving is like, oh turkey day, happy turkey day. Well, I feel like Christmas is like, I mean, I usually here's
0: a, <laughs> here's a fact about me. I've never had turkey on Christmas in my life. Okay. I, you know, you know, I'm Italian, fish on Christmas Eve usually.
1: Oh, you guys do the fish thing. Okay.
0: We usually do fish. And then on Christmas Day, generally my family will do prime rib or steaks of some kind. And uh, Jen's family does, doesn't does do turkey, but they'll do like ham and they'll do uh, similar like Thanksgiving sides, but not, I don't think any turkey. Gotcha. What, about, what about you,
1: Derek? What is your... We don't do the fish. I mean, I'm Italian too. We never did the fishes. We were just not that type of family. We were like Chinese food pizza type family, like just sure. greasy fucking crap. But um, I don't know. Ham... A roast yeah. you know usually my yeah. mom would do like ravioli and meatballs like she, we'd have like that little bit of italian stuff too but yeah. um yeah i just was wondering because you know i feel like the holidays are kind of similar as food goes but maybe just just that's just my family um but yeah like i said before christmas it would be a whole different ball game for me if it was like you know just a warmer weather thing i'd enjoy it more because i'm always like oh, the winter's here am i gonna get sick well h- that's here's my the thing Cr- christmas
0: in general as a holiday is basically to and you know there's a ton of like end of the year holidays in different cultures it's a holiday to mark the winter solstice where days like are going to start getting longer you there there would even if it wasn't christmas it would there would be a holiday here cuz that's what it it's for right you know so it's like the fact that it ends up being the biggest holiday of the year is a uh, probably a consequence of just capitalism Really And just like how run away and fucking crazy It is and You know we're gonna Yeah this is a preview into to what we're gonna talk about a little bit In our, our Forrest Gump episode actually In a little preview Uh, The baby boomer generation Has a lot to do With how we celebrate Christmas mm-hmm. And like If you look at you may have seen the graphic Floating around some of you may have Of like the top you know, 20 Christmas songs and it's like Mariah Carey and like all songs from the fifties and sixties. Yep. And, and like, uh, and wham. And like, it's like, okay, all our songs that we've grown up with are just the songs that our parents had when they were celebrating Christmas. Right. And when they were like, when they came out and like, you know, and, and they're like older siblings and, and maybe their parents as well. Yep. Depending on how old you are.
1: Now let me ask you, Rick. Before we before we close up shop here, what would you say? You don't have to be in order. I know it's difficult, but if you had to choose, what 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 are some of your favorite Christmas songs?
0: Uh, Fairy Tale of New York. Don't think I know it. Oh, it's tremendous! It's the Pogues and Christy McNichol.
1: Okay, I know know the Pogues. Um,
0: It was a song where they, so somebody basically challenged the Pogues like, "You can't write a Christmas song." They were like, "Fuck you!" Yes, I can, and it's one of my favorites. I do like maybe controversial, but it's uh, I think people misunderstand. I like baby. It's cold outside.
1: Yep. Okay. I actually, uh, you know, it's funny. I think I heard, I don't remember who it was, but I remember the roles were reversed. And yeah, one of the that, versions that I actually really enjoyed that one too.
0: Yeah. Because it's not meant to be like, I understand why people take it as date rapey, but really right. it's meant to be like a critique on society where it's right. like we have to find an excuse to do what we actually want to do. I like Father Christmas by The Kinks, I believe. Okay. Specifically Nat King Cole's version of The First Noel.
1: Okay, I got to check that one out then. What about you? What, what about you? So, um one of them that I really really love is uh, David Bowie and Bing Crosby. Oh, of um, course, yeah. Peace that, on that, Earth, of course, yeah. I'm, yeah, you know, I'm
0: going to make a Spotify playlist, I think. That that'll yeah. be on there definitely.
1: Right. There's um another one that I like a lot is actually from the movie Fred Claus. Have you seen that one? no uh vince vaughn plays like santa claus's brother and he's kind of a fuck up
0: <laughs> i'm familiar with it i just haven't
1: seen it yeah i don't want to ruin it but there's this scene where there's a, a song called um christmas Wrapping" by the waitresses it's like merry christmas merry christmas and i think i'll miss this one yeah. this year merry yeah, no i definitely heard that i actually so I, I gotta say you know what yeah. we
0: just we just don't watch the movie we, we just don't watch the movie no we just watched the movie
1: <laughs> christmas so and hollis in it oh. so
0: let, let's throw that on the list as well
1: all right. Yeah, that one. Um, I I used to really, really love I, I think I still do is um Happy Christmas, War Is Over by John Lennon. Oh, it's yes. because it's so unbelievably sarcastic. It's just like, so this is Christmas, like just starting no. off kind of like, whatever, but um, and then I I I I don't love the song, but jeer and i always joke about how like uh simply having a wonderful christmas time is like paul mccartney being like well i need a christmas song let me try something in five minutes up oh, got what it a
0: song me having a simply having a wonderful christmas
1: time. <laughs> right and <laughs> i just think it's like it's so half-assed but it's very paul uh <laughs> so uh i'm sure I, there's a bunch of others I, to to that. My, I, have to, I
0: have to use the space in my brain to make actual good songs
1: right exactly. Christmas <laughs> yep but, it is, uh, that
0: is hilarious. That like the juxtaposition of Paul's Christmas song
1: and John's Christmas song. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, that's another rant completely. But yeah, yeah, let us
0: know what what Christmas songs do you like. What's your what are your go to Christmas songs? And let us know all month or holiday we're... songs. Yeah, like the Hanukkah song. Adam Sandler. That's another good one. Yeah, lots, lots of right. lots of good ones. I'm glad we talked about that little, little bonus content for you guys.
1: Heck yeah. Uh, and,
0: and Rick, before we go, did, did yeah. you happen to hear the very
1: end of our last episode?
0: Uh, I haven't listened to it yet. We are recording it just, <laughs> I've been very busy. We're recording on a Friday. It came out on a Thursday. So, okay. This
1: is a, yeah. this is a little, I just added a, a little, little surprise at the, very, at the very end that I thought was funny.
0: <laughs> so check that one out. I've, yeah. I, I've, I've not had a chance to listen to it yet, but I definitely will as I do every week. Excellent. So, As always, I have been your co-host, the fly in the ointment, the monkey in the wrench, the pain in the ass, Rick
1: Barrasso. And I have been your co-host, the Hans Grubowski. Say that again. I think my cat, like, did some audio in there. And I have been your co-host, the Hans Grim, Gruber, Gruber, the Hans Grubowski. Forget it. Forget it. You know who I am. (laughs) Fuck it. Just, I'm done. (laughs) Keep
0: celebrating the holidays, everyone.